Show with Josh Helmer and Sooner sideline reporter Chris Plank. All right, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. It's the Plank Show on the home of Sooner fans, the ref. Dude, I am God, I am fighting this headphone right now. Does it sound okay? Check, check, check. One, two, one, two. Are we on the air? It just keeps, it's, I'm going to lose my mind. I'm going to throw this headset in the middle of the segment. It's going to be hilarious. Everybody, everybody listen for me to lose my mind on the slightest inconvenience, the most minimal inconvenience possible. It's like I complain sometimes every now and then, Connor, because my exit might be closed to, to get home which is a whole two-minute extra drive to take the next exit. Two whole minutes. It's like, there goes my day. But I think we'll be good. How was your uh, Wednesday night? What uh, what was going on in the Pasby household? Is it countdown to Monday's wedding uh, in full force? It is, yes. We had a nice, nice dinner. But first, we watched the <laughs> – she watched it with me. But the SEC schedule uh, reveal, oh. so we watched that. Then we had some dinner after. Yeah, I got. I got. I just want to make this very clear for you. For those of you that think just because we work in sports, I get to. Uh, I get to talk nonstop about. It's the best way to put this. I get to talk nonstop about sports in my nine in my non nine to five life, and I get to watch whatever I go, I want to watch. Connor, I actually got in trouble and chastised last night because I was trying to sneak away with my guy Charles Milligan and watch the schedule release show during a church event last night, which to me, I kind of looked at it and thought, I think the big man wants me to be able to watch what's going on here, right? We need to know, we need a plan. I, so my point, I didn't get to watch the whole two-hour show, and I, I know that some of you might say, it's your job. But I've done schedule release shows. You kind of run out of things to talk about. I mean, you really, really, truly do. It, there is a point where it's like, I mean, that game's going to be a fun game. Two uh, marquee programs. Can't wait to see it. What do you think about it? It's uh, it's a big game against two programs, and uh, we'll see who's. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> when when you're when you're getting ready for the playoffs and bowl season. It's kind of hard to think about 2024 for some programs. So with that in mind, what would you think of the show? How did the SEC Network and ESPN handle it? Well, I mean, I thought they drug it out, but I was also listening to the Rush. They had the extended hour with Teddy and uh, Tyler. I didn't like how they did uh, week by week instead of just throwing out the schedule out there for each team. So, yeah, they they really drug out those two hours. You didn't need a full two-hour show. So, in other words, Teddy and Tyler had it right. It's a one-hour show. You sign off and you move on. There you go. Was, was there a point at about the hour 30 mark where one of the people finally cracked and they're like, I don't know what more to say about this. I don't know what you want me to say. It's a schedule. There we go. Let's talk to a coach. What are we doing? Did anyone snap? <laughs> I, I can't remember. I'm sure they okay. did. I'm all sure. Right, all right. Hey, I uh, – I want to start there because we, we do have a lot to get to. Um, 
Mark Williams is going to join us coming up at the bottom of this hour, OU men's gymnastics coach. Uh, at 10 a.m., we'll have our portal updates, and, and Gary Cavins is going to slide by. Obviously, constantly uh, getting caught up on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line with some of your thoughts at 405-651-3439, 405-651-3439. And, you know, we'll, we'll constantly be checking that portal for breaking news. Is, is I've understood it. And maybe the best way to put this is we're going to get that full update on Caden Green today. Um, I, I think that all of the, you know, we, I feel like we kind of danced around what we thought was going on a little bit yesterday on the show. And then you had all the podcasts that dropped. You had Parker that came in and, and, and kind of laid the wood to the whole situation. Um, I, I can tell you that I don't think anyone's giving up, but I also think that I, uh, they're not very happy right now. The Royal Bay OU, the, uh, the coaches, I think a lot of the teammates and not if I just, I'll say this real quick before we get to the schedule. Caden green wants to leave. Fine, man. I, I wish him the best of luck. You guys know me. If you know this show, I come from the Vince McMahon mindset. I'd love to have you around, but if you want to be somewhere else, program's going to be okay without you. And it might suck. We might have a few road bumps, but to me, this is every uh, every entity in life. Well, outside of like my kids, my kids don't get that option. <laughs> they just can't go. But you know what I'm saying? It's you don't want to be here. Good luck. I just think the way this has been handled, if all of the reporting is accurate, and I have no reason to believe it's not, this has got to be one of the slimiest things I've seen. And I'm not usually that guy. But if you're choosing to move out while practice is going on, when you know nobody's going to be around, I mean, how else can you look at that? How else can you view that? So I, I want to play you what uh, Gabe and Teddy said a little bit later on in the program. In fact, we'll do that at about 10.20 this morning. Uh, and, and we have a new quote-unquote gate, if you will. Did you happen to follow it all in your ESPN viewing last night, Connor Pasby? Did you happen to follow it all basketball gate between Milwaukee and Indiana last night? I don't think I did. Okay. I'm glad you didn't. Because th- this was one of the weirdest things I think I've ever watched. And that a man would snap over a basketball, and I get it, I understand it, that you just set a, Giannis set a, a franchise record last night for most points, I think he finished with 63, maybe with six, 63, 65. Uh, Oscar Shibway who many of you know is uh, this, this rock star that started at West Virginia, ended up at Kentucky, but not really the, the NBA style anymore. If it was 1985, Oscar Shibway would have been the number one pick in the draft, right? But now if you can't shoot a three, then you, the, the league doesn't need you. But Oscar Shibway got his first point, and so he took the basketball. They get two basketballs. from I, I think there's two game balls that they use. And Giannis was all PO'd, so... He thought they were snagging the ball, his his record-setting basketball. So he went back in the locker room and tried to fight everyone to get it. 
It's fantastic. We'll recap it all coming up in a bit. My bad. I thought I thought you were talking about college basketball, but I did. Oh, I did okay. see that from Giannis. Dude, the dude okay. just sprinted to the locker room. I'm like, what is going on here? Hey, I understand the oddity. If it's not the Thunder, we're usually not talking too much <laughs> NBA around here. But let's start with the biggest story of the day. It's nine eleven on the Plank Show. We're live from Cavens Group. Cavens Group, of course, is your place to turn. For mold removal, Gary's seen a lot of it. Emergency water extraction and structural drying. Store that 24-7 emergency number in your phone at 800-594-4437. That's 800-594-4437. Of course, locally, 405-573-3048. And when I say locally, that 800 number is a local number. It calls Gary. It calls Amanda, it calls Jessica. It doesn't go to a, a national entity and they put you on hold and you wait. You get that help right away. So store it today. What was your – first of all, I wanted to say I was very happy, and, and I can't believe I didn't even think about this yesterday. I was very happy to see the OU-Texas game on the second Saturday in October. And I know that it was funny because I was talking to Charles about this whenever we were watching it. I had thought, just based on this past season, that it would be, and I think we nailed essentially the first six games, I just had the bye in the wrong spot. I thought I thought the bye might come after OU Texas, but the, uh, the bye came uh, right, Right before it, and which I I don't know how you feel about that, Connor. I I mean I guess it's kind of six in one hand, half a dozen in the other, right? But I I, I like how it shook out with that being by then Texas. Did you like it? Yeah, I don't mind it. I mean, it's a tough two-game stretch to start SEC play sure. with Tennessee at Auburn. You get a break, take a bye, and then you get ready for OU Texas. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't mind that at all. I just, I, I guess, I guess maybe, maybe from my perspective, it in a time whenever we've pushed away from tradition so much, and I think if you look that, you know, you you, you kind of go over the history of Oklahoma and Texas. Obviously, you know, it's it's been that either last last week, last year, it was October 7th, it was October 8th, the year before, 21, it was October 9th, October 10th, October 12th, then it was the 6th. You know, it's kind of just been that first two-week period. But I, whenever I was going through, and a lot of you had this, I just wanted to give you guys kudos, but you had that where you went the three non-con the first two SEC games, the bye, then OU Texas. I thought that the OU Texas game would be there, then the bye. But again, like I said, I was just vamping. I wasn't trying to be Mr. Scoop McGillicuddy or anything. I liked the way that that played out. So that was that was really really cool as far as I as far as I was concerned. I also I thought the SEC did a really good job of not making that week before rivalry weekend, a bunch of patsies. November 23rd in this year's schedule would be that week before rivalry Saturday. If you go back historically, that's the weekend when you would play the Chattanoogas and the Mains and the, uh, oh gosh, I think the, 
who was it that Alabama played a couple of seasons ago that was it was literally looked like they were playing a high school team, but they would always give almost like a buy. And I think ESPN said, yeah, we're not doing that. So you look at that weekend in the SEC schedule, and at least for us, you get OU Alabama, you get across the Big 12, you get some really good matchups. And instead of, like, shoehorning a main game in there, you get that by after Missouri and before Alabama. So just from what I was intrigued by, which was, you know, Thanksgiving weekend and where the buys would fall, I, I think at least from the buys, it worked out pretty well. You get a buy after a trip to Columbia to get ready for Alabama. You get a buy after your Auburn game in Auburn, Alabama, and before Texas. I kind I didn't have a problem with either one of those. I thought it worked out pretty well. Yeah, and those last two games, I mean, <laughs> buckle up wow. with Alabama at home and uh, rivalry weekend, Thanksgiving weekend, a trip to uh, Baton Rouge. So it feels like maybe they'll start a little a little rivalry with OU and LSU. Which but but here's here's my thought on it. Here's my thought on it. Um, and I and and again, if we're sticking with eight, one permanent rival, seven rotating seven rotating matchups. You know that does mean Connor that Oklahoma and LSU they're not going to play every year. And Oklahoma and Texas and Texas A&M, they're not going to play every year. You have one permanent rival, and then the seven others rotate. So, whenever I saw LSU on uh, Black, well, Thanksgiving weekend, and those games could be played on Thursday or Friday or Saturday, um, I, I. I thought that they would try to do something that could start a bit of a tradition, right? And I don't, you know, obviously Oklahoma's one, its main rival is Texas, and that's not suddenly going to play be played in that final weekend. But I can't, I can't help, I can't help but wonder, whenever you get to your permanent rivals, if we get to nine and it's the three, right, you got three teams that are your permanent rivals, and then you would rotate. What would that be? Uh, one seven to three five. I do think inevitably that's going to end up being Missouri there. But I, again, they kept Missouri Arkansas in that spot, so I, I could be wrong. But in my opinion, I kind of think inevitably the SEC views that rivalry weekend as very important, which is why you ended up getting OU and LSU. And kudos, by the way, to Parker. When everyone was telling me it was Arkansas, it's Arkansas, it's Arkansas, Parker texted me yesterday. He's like, bro, we're going to be uh, eating gumbo for Thanksgiving, just so you know. <laughs> I was like, really? Uh, and then he didn't reply to any more of my text. What's up with that, Parker? But I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what to make of that weekend because, I, let me tell you right now, I don't like the idea of playing Alabama and LSU back-to-back. Don't like it at all. But let's go play. right? What, what good does it do to sit here and complain about it? Let's go play. We always wanted to see better schedules, and here we go. Maybe, maybe with Missouri and Arkansas, that is going to end up being where they try to make their hay on either the Friday or the, the, the Saturday of Thanksgiving weekend because they kept it there this year, and I think that's Arkansas. I think that's Missouri's permanent rival maybe. But I also, you know, I, I'd be curious if 
the LSU-Oklahoma game ends up being like an absolute hit, and I think it will be, I wonder if that can be something that develops. In other words, what I'm trying to say here, Connor, is I'm absolutely reading way too much into the decision to put Oklahoma and LSU as the game in the final week of the season. I, I think OU and LSU can turn into something. But man, I do too. You were right about the last two games. I mean, that's excitement. That's what we've been kind of waiting for, these exciting matchups. Bring in Alabama. Take that trip to uh, Baton Rouge. It'll be a fun environment. But I think didn't you have at Missouri for Thanksgiving weekend on I did. your schedule? I did. Okay, I, I was did. kind of thinking the same thing, so I was a little surprised on that part. I, I will say what's what's kind of funny is it's just what's the best way to put it? It's just fun, is what it is. And and here's one other. You know, what? let's get a break here. I don't want to get too far off the clock. There was one general takeaway from this too, not just related to Oklahoma. And and you know what else didn't happen that I was worried was going to happen was the back-to-back tough road trips. That's true, yep. Yeah, I, I, I was worried with that bye and, and, and how things might play out. I thought they might put us like at Ole Miss and, and at Missouri in back-to-back weekends or at Ole Miss at LSU because that Ole Miss schedule release was right. You know, and we ended up playing Ole Miss on October 26th, and that's on the road. And I was incredibly pumped to see that there wasn't that real challenging back-to-back, right? But, but. There was one main takeaway that I had from last night, not OU related, and we'll talk about it next. With Connor Pasby, I'm Chris Plank. It's the Plank Show. Mark Williams coming up at the bottom of the hour right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on the ref. With Connor Pasby, I'm Chris Plank. Uh, Mark Wells is coming up here in a moment. Mark Wells. Mark Williams is coming up here in a moment. He's at, it's at Wells Gym on Twitter, so it always throws me off. Uh, Mark Williams is going to join us here in a bit. So here is the one takeaway that just screamed at me last night while I'm watching this SEC schedule release show. And it's 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 an incredible schedule, is it not? It's 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 absolute not just Oklahoma's, right? I mean, listen, these are the games that we've been wanting to see the Sooners play forever. But Alabama and Georgia on September twenty eighth. No more. Now, there's still the layup games, right? Alabama's playing Mercer. We're playing Maine. I think, uh, like, Auburn's playing Louisiana Monroe. But it, you're getting those sprinkled in. The SEC isn't saying, hey, we're going to play all these games in one weekend. Deal with it. But for uh, I was looking at Florida's. Florida's final kick. I mean, imagine, think about this if you're a Florida fan right now. You get a buy on October 26th. Then your final five games are Georgia at Texas, LSU, Ole Miss, and at Florida State. Uh, right? Uh, e- even even Georgia's schedule, even Georgia, who will not become a three-time national champion, right? But they go to Alabama. They go to Texas. They've, they they got to go to Ole Miss this year. I don't know how good Ole Miss is going to be. LSU, LSU's playing a non-conference game with UCLA. They've got to go to A&M. They host Oklahoma. They host Alabama. It's not easy. We're, it's going to be very interesting to see how we view what's a great team, a playoff-worthy team, because I, I don't think anyone's going 12-0 and in this league, Connor. I, I think that the days of teams running undefeated, and maybe I'll eat my word, 
you know, I, and I would love to if it's Oklahoma, but you look at that schedule for just about every team, you could easily see two losses, right? Yeah, you're, you're going to have a handful of teams with two losses. I'm going to be intrigued about when we get to that time, how the playoff committee is going to handle yes. these SEC teams with two losses. And, and, and then how you would compare that to, say, an undefeated team out of – I don't, I don't want to pick on the Big 12 or even the ACC. Now, they're all going to get in with a 12-team playoff. They're going to get their spot. But seeding is going to be a major thing in this. You guys want to talk about, well, the playoff committee decisions, it's just not going to be the same. Really? Because I think there's going to be a lot of debate between four and five because the top four get a bye. And I think there's going to be a big debate between what would that then be, five, six, seven, eight, and nine, 10, 11, 12? Because, you know, the difference between eight and nine is either hosting or going on the road for a conference game or for a playoff game. And then you kind of think about 12 and 13. I look at these schedules, and if things kind of play out historically as they have, there's going to be a three-loss SEC team potentially that's going to be view, viewed as infinitely more worthy than maybe, say, a one- or two-loss team out of the ACC or even the Big 12, maybe the Big 10, <laughs> with kind of the way things are looking around there. But I, I guess my point more than anything else is I don't think anyone's going to go undefeated in the SEC and I'm kind of wondering if it's going to happen in the Big Ten anymore, unless you get like an Ohio State or a Michigan team that gets cooking. You know, Oregon's going to have something to say about it. We'll see if USC will. Washington's not going anywhere. So that was for me. I don't know about you, Connor, but I couldn't help but think, huh? This is going to be very interesting when you see the challenge of these schedules, how the playoff committee is going to view it, because I don't think we're going to see a team run rough shot through this conference well yeah and it's so spread out for example like texas obviously they get the non-con against michigan but look later on obviously you face ou you turn around and play georgia so we're looking at texas maybe that nine and three team or possibly uh ten and two to end the regular season yeah yeah it's going to be fascinating so 405-651-3439 that's 405-651-3439 hit me up with your big takeaways from the schedule release, I don't know if anyone's ever going to top the text that came in two weeks ago that said, listen, all we really wanted was the Nebraska game in primetime, but do your best, Ref Army. Do your best, Plank Platoon. Hit us up, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. It's the Plank Show. Mark Williams is next right here on The Ref. All right, let's roll. It is a Thursday edition of the Plank Show live from Cavens Group. Are we ready to go with Coach Connor? We are ready. Mark Williams joins us, legendary head men's gymnastics coach at the University of Oklahoma. How you doing, Coach? Good to catch up with you, man. Yeah, hey, Chris. Uh, it's been a while since we've talked. It, uh, the last time we talked, I had uh, tried to cut in on your final two holes out of the trails, so I... <laughs> Still feel terrible. Connor, not only did I cut in, I proceeded to hit his ball uh, accidentally and then just absolutely bring the f- bring the vibes of the round down. So, Can't do uh, that. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry, Coach. But, hey, I, I, was, I was reading up. I was watching all the highlights. Man, what, a, what an exciting group. Here's, here's my question on your guys. It, it, you lost a lot of seniors, 
but it feels like there's still experienced leaders. Can you kind of give me your perspective on this roster and kind of how you're viewing it right now? Yeah. Um, you know, we did lose uh, four pretty, you know, really good guys that uh, graduated, all of them being uh, 50-year COVID guys. So uh, we have a big group of young guys, uh, brought in eight freshmen this year, and, you know, they're – they're kind of learning their way, but um, I also feel like getting Fuzzy Bennis back, who had been, you know, a phenom his freshman year, and then uh, was out all of last year with uh, shoulder surgery and Achilles tendon and a surgery to his hand, so missed the entire year, and he looks better than ever. So he's leading us uh, back as a, now a redshirt sophomore along with uh, fifth-year Jack Freeman, who is one of our captains and is doing a great job on his two events. Uh, Dan Simmons is our other captain, who's also a senior. And uh, I call him Diesel Dan for a reason because, you know, you just can't stop the kid. He just keeps going. And um, along with uh, Zach Nunez, who's also a senior, they, they really have been doing a really good job, I think, leading this young group kind of into um, – a place where we're in, I think, in better shape than we were last year. Certainly by the standard of health, we've got uh, more guys back from last year. There was a point where at NCAAs we had only two out of our, our six top guys competing. Um, and, and we've gotten, you know, Fuzzy back and uh, Adriel Perales back and Leo Conca back, um, all three who missed NCAAs last year. So, uh, we're excited that uh, things are going well so far. You know, it's it's kind of wild when you think about men's gym, right? You, you've talked about wanting to push to see more teams commit to the sport. Uh, you've even uh, you, you you've given gear and and I guess you could say you know tools to other programs that are making the jump to help make it easier for them. But there's really there's been two lead dogs. You know, over the last eight years, you won four straight championships from 15 to, to 18, and now we've seen Stanford do the same. What is that competition like between what you guys are doing, Mark, and what Stanford is doing, and how much more challenging does it become when you see the sport continue to grow and add more, fran- uh, add more teams? Because this seems like a pretty fun rivalry for years to come with what both you and Stanford have done. Well, yeah, the you know, the, the top end is kind of a whole different story from the, the bottom end. We don't have that many teams, but we did add uh, Greenville College and Simpson last year, and um, there's talk about another Division three team uh, joining next year that, that may be somewhere in Texas. So uh, we're excited about that expansion, and, and we certainly want to help grow the NCAA number of teams uh from where it is, uh, but there is a pretty big separation between that level and, and like you're saying, you know, Oklahoma and Stanford have been uh, the dominant teams in the last eight years, and uh, you know, it's 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 partly about um, the programs and partly about just uh, with the way COVID hit for Stanford, things kind of turned their direction and helped them along. Uh, with, without having to have test scores, it certainly helped their admittance of a lot of the talent. Um, but 
you know, it's, it's been a good rivalry. We, we're excited that, uh, you know, we, we get the chance to meet Stanford once or twice a year and they've kind of elevated the game in gymnastics here in the last couple of years where about half of their team is on the senior national team and two of them made the world team last year and they ended up third at, at the world championships. So it's all good things to have that kind of rivalry and we're now kind of in the, in the position where we're, we're tra- uh, chasing Stanford and, and even to some degree, uh, Michigan's been very good with Fred Richards and, um, you know, they've had two guys on the world team as, as well. So I, I'm just curious from your perspective as Mark Williams joins us, is there a different feel for you in being the, um, the hunter. I mean, you're always going to be the hunted. You're, you're you're Oklahoma. You've won 12 national championships, Mark. You have countless All Americans, so everyone's going to want to beat Oklahoma. But for that standard that you expect to be the hunter to see Stanford, and you mentioned the Michigans of the world, has that changed the approach? Is that kind of a different feel for you? Well, it it, it is. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, you'd like to be on top and just stay on top. <laughs> it's, it's a good place to be, you know. But you know, a lot of times it's it's a it's a little bit different game when you're you're coming up from behind and you're the underdog and you're you know you're trying to push and and create things and in a lot of ways it 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 forces me to to kind of go back and like make sure that I'm flexible I'm changing things I'm doing things differently for the the team chemistry I have at the time you know I don't want to be stuck in in the old ways or a way that isn't going to work for this, this group or, or this team. And, you know, always questioning how can we be better? You know, mm-hmm. what are we doing that we have to, to meet that standard that, that is in front of us. So, um, you know, we've had times where we won the conference championship a couple of years ago and beat Stanford and, and we tied Stanford two years ago at home and, and beat them last year at home uh, but we have to do that on the floor at the, the NCAA championships for it to, to really be meaningful. So, um, you know, I, I'm always looking for ways that we can improve. And, and part of it's just, you know, we're going to have to do a little harder gymnastics to keep up with uh, what standard that they've set. You know, they're they're really at an Olympic standard right now. From – from your perspective, Mark, I know that we've got a little bit of time before the season starts. Not a lot, and it's going to fly by, right? But where has this team, where has this team really excelled? Is there an event? Is there an area? Is there a kind of group that you look at and they're just, they've really impressed you and what you've seen from them so far, maybe even surprised you a bit? We've improved on rings, which was a, an event we, we weren't great at. Um, we've got uh, a kid that that moved up from the club team that, that made the roster. Uh, we have a, a freshman, Taz Hasdu, who is pretty strong. You know, we have to kind of put it all together, but I think he's going to help us. And, and and Fuzzy's good on rings, too, so that helps us in terms of just, you know, three scores that we didn't have last year that, that definitely is going to be better for us. You know, and I, I think we've got pretty good balance, and we've got depth. You know, uh, Emery Dodanley, I haven't talked about, but he went to the world championships this year for Turkey and, 
And Turkey has never qualified for the Olympics before, and he was on a team that, that got them there. So it's likely he's going to be competing in Paris next year uh, with the Turkish national team. And part of the reason they're there is because of what he brought to that team. And that's pretty impressive. You know, he, he's been a kid that has improved a lot since he's gotten here. He, he's a junior. He's been competing four events for us. And um, he's actually kind of gotten more excited about doing pommel horse and rings, which have always been events that he's not great at. So uh, exciting for him. Um, but he's, he's elevating us. Uh, his floor, his vault, his, his high bar is, is amazing. And, uh, you know, those guys that, that see him every gym, every day in the gym, um, you know, see the improvements, see the work ethic. And, and a lot of guys are having to respond just to be like, we got to keep up with Emery. That is, isn't it great to have a standard setter like that? Um, as we go forward, you put together a really solid schedule as you do every single year. It's challenging, uh, as it always is. The atmosphere is something that I know that you continue to be impressed with from the Sooner Nation. But, Coach, you can always be better. We can always get more people in there. How important is it to have a great home court, if you will, environment? And, I mean, just how much of a difference does it truly make? How much of a difference can Sooner Nation make in these home events? Oh, it it, it means a lot. I mean, I, we hear from the other teams that <laughs> They don't like coming to the field house because it's a big advantage for us. It's it's loud, you know. They're they're into it. They know gymnastics, um, and we've we've had the the highest home attendance for quite a while now. And and the fact that we have all of our our meets televised on ESPN Plus is a is another bonus. So we we get that you know creative atmosphere where it it, f- it feels like a big time event and. Um, they know they're going to have to be on their game when they come in. And, and we absolutely beat Stanford last year because of our home crowd. Like our energy was great and theirs wasn't. And that made the difference between the competitions. So that's something that I have a lot of pride in. We haven't lost in the field house since 2007, you know, and this year's, you know, going to be challenging because we're hosting the conference championships toward the end of the season and, and Stanford will be one of those teams and they'll want to win the championship there. Hmm. Uh, I've kept you long, but I want one more. Is there a young guy we need to be keeping our eyes on? You, you mentioned a few throughout this, this, this conversation, but you know, is there someone that's really kind of stood out that maybe when you brought him in, they've developed a little bit faster than you even thought and could end up being an impact uh, guy here in 24? Well, um, We've got two twins from out in California that came in, Colin and Tyler Flores. They're, you know, they're both hardworking guys. You know, they're working into the system. Uh, I think they're going to see the floor maybe earlier than you know some freshmen do. Uh, both have kind of the same events. Tyler only does three events, but Colin does the all around, and um, they're they've been fun to work with. I think we've got some great potential with them. Um, I also had mentioned, you know, uh, on rings, uh, Zachary Marks is a, is a guy that we just plucked out of the, the club program and he's so strong that it was hard not to notice. So 
he immediately has helped our ring team. So those three guys, I think, are going to make an impact pretty early on. Is is it fair to say, Mark, that this is somewhat of a revamped roster, or do you feel do you feel like there's enough returning experience where maybe it's not as new as it might seem when you look at the the years next to the guy and what classification they are? Yeah, I think we have experience. Uh, we don't have guys that were in the lineup all the way through, though, in, in mm-hmm. the fact that we lost some guys halfway through the season and then we were scrambling. But the good news from our red-white inner squad was that we did have five guys for each team compete on every event. So that means we're we're 10 deep on on all the apparatus, which, you know, we haven't been that that deep in a while so that that's a positive for the status of our health and going forward uh, those guys can continue to push the, the top five which ends up being the ones that go on the competition floor are you putting the clubs away for a while will i see you out there do we need to set a time or do we wait until after the season's over uh i, I got out last weekend so okay. uh, you know it was it was kind of rough the first couple holes Dude. but i got I, back in the groove coach I went out on Tuesday, and I literally wanted to go throw my clubs in the water. I don't think I've ever been madder in my life. But, hey, I, I, I know we're going to get a chance to talk more regularly. You know you're one of my favorite people on the planet, Coach. I really appreciate all the time that you gave us. And uh, good luck as we count down hey. to the start of the season, man. Enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, just let me know. I'll, I'll head out and play whenever. I've been Let's out go. when it's, you know, 30 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> you're the man. Thanks, Coach. I'll see you soon. All right. Take care. Mark Go Williams. Uh, that's that's me, Connor, by the way. That's where Mark Williams is my spirit animal. I don't care what the weather is. I really don't. I'll go play golf. It could be, well, outside of like torrential downpours and lightnings where you just can't play. If it's freezing out, I'll go play. If it's 100 degrees, ask anyone. If it's 100 degrees out, I'll go play. I don't care. I just want to be on the golf course. And little trick whenever it is freezing cold or 100 degrees not a lot of people out there 30 30 mile per hour wind we're still playing we're still playing we're still i had a friend of mine the other day that was complaining because the golf course where he played they had a rule that you had to check in 30 minutes before your tee time and he's like why do i have to do that and my response was why are you complaining you're getting to the golf course 30 minutes earlier than you normally would. What's your deal, man? It's golf. Let's go. You know, every time, every time I get fired up about something as minimal as playing golf, I always think about the Augie Garrido rant whenever he tumps the table over. He's like, this is my life, man. <laughs> and he's just cussing and yelling at everyone. How about that for Jim Yu the last two days? K.J. Kindler yesterday, Mark Williams swinging by today. We'll take a break. We'll get caught up on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line next right here on The Ref. You played a little Dave this morning, Connor? Yes, sir. I'm not a big music guy, but you know that saying where people are like, oh, music takes you back to a certain time and a place. I'm like, shut up. Stop it. And then you play Dave Matthews, and I'm all of a sudden in the Sigma Chi house. Go back I'm to your all, memories. I'm, I'm going I'm going back to the University of Tulsa, drinking Red Dog beer and trying <laughs> to look cool in front of all the ladies. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line has been really, really good to start the show today. You can keep them coming to 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. All right, um, 
here's a couple of them. Chuck the old fart writes, we have Stutz, Billy, and Jay friggin' A. No matter who and when, we're going to whoop some SEC behind. Bring those people on. I like the attitude. I like the attitude. K-A-N-B-A writes, I don't see a game that is not winnable. Conversely, I see a few that are losable. It'll be a fun season, that's for sure. Now, when is the Pac-2 schedule release show? <laughs> Can you imagine? Like, all right, guys, we're going to do a two-hour show with the uh, Washington State. <laughs> two-hour <State>. show. <laughs> Spend an hour on each one of them. Uh, Sean writes, finally, a schedule as good as OU softball. Oh, yeah, it's a really good one. It was funny to me that whenever the OU softball schedule came out this year, there were people that were complaining. I'm like, have you not paid attention the last two years? They played the most challenging schedule maybe in the history of college softball last year, and they lost one game, and the schedule comes out this year, and some people are like, what is this? Lake Charles? Look, Ohio writes, Texas gets Georgia the week after OU. Nice. And the 580, who will have the toughest strength of schedule next season? I don't know about you, but I think we're going to be pretty high up there. I think Oklahoma and Texas did not get a welcome to the SEC soft landing spot at all. Portal updates coming up next right here on The Ref.